All right. You picked up a lesson on the way in. What makes a person of God or a person of God? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the next few moments, I pray that you just work in my heart and life that I would say nothing amiss. We thank you for this beautiful psalm. May we learn this evening and be challenged as to who shall abide in the tabernacle of God. And so help me this evening, please. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's turn. If you've got your Bibles open there, I'll catch up with you and get mine open. If you're listening online, uh, welcome to Little Sandy Baptist Church, 3569 State Route 3307, Greenup, Kentucky. If you do not have a regular church home of your own, I encourage you to worship with us Sunday at 10, 11, and 6, and Wednesday night at 7. And so I trust that you will come out for that. And Psalm chapter 15, it is not long. We're going to read the entire psalm. And here we go together. If you're following along, I will read, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, and whose eyes a vile person is contemned or despised, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. May the Lord raise blessing to the reading of his word. Question one, David may well have written this psalm right after what event is the event of Psalm 24. Returning, if you would, or well, right after the event of successful bringing of the ark. Last time we talked about Psalm 24, and perhaps used that when they were bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. Here, as, as David likely wrote the song, psalm after that, if you would. Uh, some believe it also is a text for the Sermon on the Mount. I have a little thing I forgot to copy for you that shows how this psalm and the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, go a lot head in hand together and so it's an important psalm as the arrival of the ark at jerusalem would, would vest the city with all kinds of significance as you well know that uh, because the ark was so important and if you was there a temple when this point in time in history and the answer would be no solomon builds the first temple so david puts this ark in the tabernacle on top of mount moriah and so the question then is this lord who shall abide in thy tabernacle not in the temple, because the temple has yet to be built. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Of course, tabernacle is a very transient thing, a symbol of something's temporary, easily struck, uh, S-T-R-U-C-K, put up, a movable house, a symbol of a pilgrimage. Interestingly enough, I have the Bible. It's called the Emphasized Bible, and Rotherham inside the Bible says, instead of Lord who shall abide in the tabernacle, says, Jehovah, who shall be a guest in thy tent? Who is going to dwell with God and his tent? And what's the, who has that privilege? Well, this is the answer to that question, if you would. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Well, there are some contingencies about, or some, some qualifications. Interestingly enough, back in 2009, an, an article said Americans are open to new ways to experience God, according to uh, the Barner Research Poll. According to this poll, a large percentage of Americans are open to new ways of experience God, experiencing God apart from traditional church structures. 75% said they sense that God is motivating people to connect with him in different ways and through different types of experiences than in the past. 
Can you imagine? That's about 15 years old, what they would say today. 71% say that they want to develop their own religious beliefs rather than to accept an entire set of beliefs that a particular church teaches. And 64% said they're open to pursuing their faith in an environment that differs from that of a typical church. You know what it is? It's, it's the Me Too ideology. We are worshiping in America, I. It's what I want. It's what my feelings are and what I feel about this. And if you disagree with me, you've hurt my feelings and you're wrong for disagreeing with me. You need to uh, agree with me and to support me, whatever the decision I may make. Now, this psalm has nothing to do with offering sacrifices for spiritual Israelites knew that it was their personal faith that brought salvation. It does not turn upon a national, a physical, a social educational, ecclesiastical criteria. Who shall dwell in God's tabernacle? Well, it's laid out for us here. It's not a lot of stammering and stuttering for us. We are to do what God wants us to do. It's not a prescription for being saved, but a description of how saved people are to live. We have, by the way, and I'm not trying to be legalism, it's where you are doing things to earn your salvation. But there are some standards I think we as Christians should maintain even in this world. And you may not agree with all those, and your standards may not be mine, but we have convictions, and we should have convictions about things we will not do or we are going to do, period. We need to have those. Now, you can't please everybody. There was a politician on a plane. He's flying over America, and he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull out my wallet, and I'm going to, and I'm going to hand out five $5 bills. No, I think I'm going to hand out five $10 bills. No, I think I'm going to drop a 50 out of the plane and make everybody happy, and some people happy, and the opposite side of the plane, the guy says, well, just jump out yourself and make everybody happy. And so we can't please everyone. It's just, it just, you cannot do it. You cannot do it. Mr. Womack tried to, he's, he's making a peace offering after all his uh, showing me how to garden. He brought me some beans tonight and even a piece of ham to put in there with it and instructions on how to cook them. So Mr. Womack, I'll take that as a, uh, what's a peace pipe? Not a peace, but a peace bean. There we go. Some peace beans. Five things, if, you're, if you still have your outline and you've not gone to sleep yet, number one is security. Security. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? That was the topic uh, Tuesday morning at our, where I'm working, eternal security. Do you believe in that, Mr. Tim, or do you not? And so three of us were on one side and one was on the other. And all, you know, try to be as gracious as possible. And that was the topic. A lot of good thoughts on that. And I try to, by the way, whenever you talk about spiritual things, you need to say, the Bible says, the Bible says this. I said, you know, he who is have, he has begun a, begun a good work and you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Or, uh, that you need to quote scripture. That's what has the power because otherwise it's just your opinion against somebody else's. And if you have a biblical uh, knowledge, a doctrine, you need to have Bible to support that, to make it a biblical doctrine. Otherwise it is just your doctrine. To abide means living in the certainty that you are indeed a child of God. Do you live in the certainty that you are indeed a child of God. Just heard about a day, if you, I'm sure you know the lady who's struggling with every breath pretty much. And she, she is anticipating getting promotion real fairly soon. And so how would you and I respond? Are you, do you know, do you have that? I mean, if it was us, it, we may go before her. We don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? You must know. And maybe it's something that you can, I, 
with apodictic, which apodictic simply means no question, incontrovertible proof. I know. Do you know the Lord is your Savior? That's the first step. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Now, we are now the light of the world as God indwells us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside us. We understand that. Question number two, that word abide means, it's the same word we get the word Shekinah from, uh, to, to, to the dwelling of God's glory. You well know that there was the, from Exodus, there was the cloud and the pillar of fire, and then there was the Ark of the Covenant. So when God, when David is moving the Ark into Jerusalem, that's God's presence, is it not? And then when he had the temple, we just, Solomon built the temple, God's presence filled that. And now you and I, what? We have God's presence dwelling in us. I can't explain it with some appreciable uh, application to where you say, oh, I, I just saw the spirit come inside. It doesn't happen like that. That's what a spirit is. A spirit is, is like the wind. Oh, pastor, I see the wind. You don't see the wind. You see the wind moving in something, and you might see something carried along by the wind, but you don't see the wind, do you? When you get electrocuted in the water, it's not the water. It's the, it's the metal parts of the water that are inside that are that's water is attached to or air inside. That's what really electrocutes you. It's that things you don't see. The Spirit dwells us. The Bible says it. So that's where the Bible says in Romans 8 9 that every person that has is saved has the Spirit of God indwelling them. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, you are not a child of God. Very clearly, it's the relationship fellowship idea. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that you may believe on the name of the Son of God and that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. That's 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. Those help us to understand. And you need to use verses like that when we come to talking to people. Can you truly know that you are born again? Yes. I, told, I just mentioned this yesterday. I said it's often the people who are truly born again that doubt their salvation. The people who are not born again don't really care that much. I mean, they're not, they don't really give it, but the people who truly know Christ, it's your feelings. You cannot trust your feelings. You must trust what the Bible says. Did you believe on Christ as your personal Savior? You say, yes. Well, then you are his child. I'm, I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. I'm trying to encourage you that if you trusted Christ, you're his child, period. Consistency. The first one is security. Who shall dwell? Then consistency in verse two, page two, verse two. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Now we are attacked by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the question the psalm addresses is, who has learned to be victorious in the Christian life? First of all, it's the person who is right with God. The person who's right with God. That's a, and it's a right walk. I think that's a blank, my props, perhaps there. The right walk. A, the purpose, your goal, you're blameless to be upright. Uh, I believe that word uh, means there. It's like the Israelite who was going to offer a sacrifice and he picked out his very best ram. He looked it over and, and looked as his prized breeding ram, perhaps, had no blemishes. He took it to this priest. The priest looked it over. The priest slew the ram, opened it up, and looked at the innards in the lamb or the ram. And if it passed all of that, it was a perfect sacrifice. 
There's a lot of things. Can you imagine if the if the if the we had to have us open up our mind, open up, and we had to pass that just not, not physically but spiritually, everything we're thinking about has to pass the muster of God's purity. How are we going to do with that? How are we going to do? Are are, are we sidetracked from the goal of giving God our very best? Our habits turned us aside from serving Him. They do not send you to hell. We know that. We, we know that. But there are things that we do that surely defile the temple of God. There are things in some of our lives that keep God from using us as He would desire. He that walketh uprightly. It's how you behave yourself. Lots of times with the opposite sex. As we're working with people, you've got to be so careful with that. Like I said, at my work now, I, you know, I told all the other, everyone else, I said, I, you know, I ride with two ladies, but not just one, just one other lady. I ride with two or more. It's fine. And so that's just part of the things that you and I, especially men, you've got to be so careful. And now I just told him, I told Vicki just yesterday, I said, maybe it was even today, I said, and visiting my own parishioners, I, I pretty much almost call now ahead of time if it's someone who's, who's laid up. And I said, it's almost difficult now uh, to go visit without Contact them first. At least you've got to take. I've got to take my wife with me everywhere I go, pretty much to visit now. And people with COVID, it's, it's COVID's made it does not impossible. It just made it more difficult. I think evangelism is going to involve us all developing relationship with people, knocking on their doors, and inviting them. That's how it's going to be. It was going to take more of a personal. It's going to take us inviting, and going, and and helping, and encouraging one another. The pastor. Needs to do more. We all need to do more. But we are, our time is short. You not think the time is short before the Lord comes back? We we are a world rife with the with with the, so much going on that well, he's going to come back. We understand that. Perhaps even perhaps even tonight he's going to come back. So we are to walk uprightly. Things like pornography and alcohol, excessive use of that, and, and materialism and immorality. I wonder how. As we look about our churches, are there young men who are training to come to grow up and be the pastors of, the, of tomorrow? How many young men are, are going to college? How many missionaries are, and you well know, our missionaries are greatly more coming off the field than going on the field. So many are retiring and, and just coming back. It's only, we're I, I, not quote the percentage, I want to get it right. So We find we are to be walking with the Lord. Wherefore, seeing about, we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. If we know we're supposed to do right and we do it not. I was just asked just yesterday, uh, are there different types of sin and I said, well, there are, God judges sin as sin, but now there are consequences that differ one from the other. And I said, there are sins of omission and there are sins of commission. Uh, and God judges sin, we understand that. But there are different, I would say specifically, there are different consequences for different sin. But we are to lay aside those things that are causing us to sin. We understand that. We are to, a little poem I have here walk, says, walk a little slower, daddy. Walk a little slower, Daddy, said a little child so small. I'm following in your footsteps, and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for you are leading me. Someday when I'm all grown up, you're what I want to be. 
then I will have a little child who will want to follow me. And I would want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for I must follow you. A lot to that little poem. We, in our Christian circles, we are, especially men, we are to be walking before our children and, the nurture, and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It is not, it's not like a, uh, a, a just so ran prize or everybody gets a prize thing. It's I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. It's, it's the greatest of calling to be used by God, to be called into his service, to, to serve him with all of our hearts and lives. Consistency. So there's number one, there was a right walk. Secondly, there is right work, our conduct and pattern of behavior. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness to do or to make work there. Temperament is, is, uh, is, is your lust, is your temper, is your desire, is, is all submitted to the Lord. I'm listening to a podcast right now from uh, Wretched Radio. It's Don't Be a Jerk. And that's the title of the whole podcast is Do Not Be a Jerk. And so, you know what? I, I was listening to that and I found, you know what? That hits a little too close to home. And, uh, you know, isn't it the hardest thing to do is to realize that it may be you that's standing in the need of prayer, that it's you who possibly aren't doing right, that it's you who need to get into God's word more, or that you, it's very hard. So, so temptation is simply to take a legitimate desire and then to turn it aside. So I thirst, my thirst becomes then drunkenness. It becomes, or I want to eat, then it becomes gluttony, or, or I want physical intimacy and it becomes perversion, or, or, or I want to rest and that becomes laziness. So the devil takes the simple basic things that aren't bad and turns them into temptations to do wrong. So it is a right walk, it is a right work, and it's right words. A flatterer's words are like a thermostat, uh, excuse me, a father's words are like the thermostat that sets the temperature in a house. What we say, what we do, how, how we react. A person who wants to be right with, needs to be right with God. So he speaketh the truth in his heart. Now, what does that mean to speak truth in his heart? And I found this quite interesting here regarding right words. Have you ever met someone who, who you really disliked? Someone against whom you had a grudge? Or someone perhaps who owes you money or something, but you he will not pay? And so... You don't want to meet this person, but you have to anyway. And so you shake his hand or her hand and you smile and you say, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's your family? How's this? How's your cat? Etc. It's a lovely day, isn't it? And that's on the outside. You have one thing, but on the inside, it's like, see, that's what this says. You're supposed to speak truth in your heart. It's supposed to be something that's genuine. Uh, His thoughts and reasonings are consistent with truth. That is what we are to be. What What you are largely determines what you do and what we say. Does your language reflect that of the Spirit of God that it dwells within you? Or is your language laced with profanity, slang, slang-isms, criticisms, vulgarities? I put a couple in there for you uh, right under that. I believe, first of all, I put in there is slang. Is, do you use slang? Do you, do you use slang? I'm just wondering. We, we might not think so, but there's anytime you use any form of G for gosh or G, you're using the Lord's name. Jiminy Cricket, that would be, if you, that's even could be in the wrong term. You are actually saying that word, or Jiminy Christmas, 
You know what they really mean by that when you think about that, when they're saying that? It's, it's, none of it should be used. It's, but pastor, it's hard. It is hard, but you can train yourself, can't you? By God's grace, don't use it. Protect the name of the Lord, his reputation. We use his name. If we're not careful, I've heard many Christians are, OMG, do not type that, please, ever. Ever. Uh, well, there's just three letters, I know, but what are you thinking when you say that? What do people think? People know exactly what you are saying without saying it, right? When you type those, heck darn. Well, and people use it, words all the time. I remember when my uh, dad was in, or her dad's, Mr. Wampler was in the trauma unit at Grant that one, that one week, first time we went up there, and there was a family, and they were, it was the middle of the night, and they were using all this language without even thinking. The words coming out of their mouths was, the air had to be blue, I would have to think. But for Christians, it should not be that way. When was the last time you got your Bible out and said, you know what, and for the year 2022, I'm lowering the standard for what it means to be a child of God. When's the last time? Did you find that this morning? Did you find it last month? Oh, the standard's lowered. I found it. Hezekiah chapter 3, verse 2. The standard is lowered for the... It's not that. You say, but Jesus, but Jesus, we don't have to follow all those Old Testament. We need to follow moral laws, by the way. We don't have to follow all the civil laws. But Jesus raised the bar. Did he not? Oh, it was, remember, in Old Testament, if you act, you know, actually commit the adultery, act with the woman, you're, if I say unto you, if you even look on a woman to love, that's raising the bar. We think in this era that, my goodness, we, we have... And we've been told so many things. I don't know if you have realized over the last about 10 years how we have the, the media has simply changed the culture of our nation, of our world. Do you know that we, not only now, we, we have always said, well, we're just, we, our country, like for the transgenderism, that we, we can't keep up. Listen, we are in the front of the transgenderism pushing issue. The Boston Children's Hospital, which is the number one, I think, children's hospital supposedly in all of America, sort of gloating now because they are now transitioning, transitioning children from what? Destroying their lives. We would call it child abuse in the past, really, what we call it. And by the way, children who are 14, 12, do not have the complete mental makeup in our era to make such a decision. They can't ever have children again or never be able to have children, period. All these different things. We've lost our common sense. Now, we haven't. Praise the Lord. We need to keep it. But, our, but those who seem to be in charge right now seem to, but we need to go back to, listen, what God has said in his word. So slang, I'm not sure how I got off those slang terms, but we have to be careful with our words, what we say, what we do. They're so important. Words have, by the way, Pronouns are still important. The pronoun war, it's a bit, all these different things have been pushed upon us. Slang. Secondly, suggestive words. Uh, I think it's, yes, suggestive words are with crude words, words that's suggestive in nature, uh, possibly with intimate overtones or connotations. They ought not to be used by us. We have to be so careful. But pastor, uh, my, my vocabulary, just get your dictionary out. Start learning a couple new words every day that are good words. Honestly, I, I remember my, my daughter told a young man who was using, he said, that's a small mind trying to, to <laughs> communicate with other people. If that's all the words that you know. 
Let's grow beyond that. Suggestive words. And then there are stories. Uh, now, I'm sure you're tired of my cat stories and all those things. Perhaps you're not, but other stories. But the, but what what jokes do you and I tell? That's why, honestly, I tell very few jokes from the pulpit because I don't want to say something or get, you know, say something I should not. Most of them are just about... That's why I tell so many self stories because... There we are, and so they're and they're 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 clean, and they're 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 original. I'm not copying somebody else. But what stories are you relishing to devolve? Are, do they put people in bad light or upon your own testimony? How about the testimony of Christians as a whole? When in doubt, don't. I just I'll be honest, with you. I had, I had one for this evening. I read it to my wife. I said, "What do you think about this for church?" And I knew what she'd go think already before I even said it. I said, I'm not using that one, by the way. <laughs> just want you to know about that. So uh, I, I'm careful about those. So it's right words. It, it's, it's the right work, et cetera. I think I possi- uh, have in your outline there, those, uh, those whose tongues are like a loose window in the wind, ever clattering, have little wit or grace. <laughs> there are some folks who just do not know when to pause, put a pause button. I have stopped listening long before they have stopped talking. And so we, that should not be said of us. You think, I bet Stephanie, when the pastor goes home, he just talks and chatters constantly. I don't know how she stands it. It's just the opposite. Just the opposite. As little as I can say and get away with it, that's about it. I really don't want to say anything to anybody until I say goodbye and give her a kiss before I leave for work. That's about it. That's like the first words I want to say. Or yell at the cat. And I don't have to even do that. So that's, I, I just really... We have to be careful. And uh, some, I remember someone gave me a statistic of how many words you get to say in your entire life, and I was already well past my, my limit, I think. Uh, so there we are. Security, consistency, and maturity. And we'll stop here for just a, we'll stop here tonight for the night. I was trying to go slower tonight because my wife told me that last week I really was going faster than usual. So I thought I'd go a little slower, perhaps, and not try to cover everything in one night. The problem, Wearsby says, the number one problem in churches today is spiritual immaturity. Spiritual immaturity. We are a mile wide and an inch deep. A mile wide. Our culture is a mile, five miles wide and a fraction of an inch deep. And if you say just the least little bit something that that even though true makes me feel afraid or, or hurts my feelings in any way, well, then you have harmed me. You've done me harm. Hmm. Perhaps we all would they be spending a month in the Marines or two. <laughs> we all find out what really. Maturity. Who has learned to be a victorious in a Christian life? It's the person who's right with God. And next week, we start with the person who's right with his neighbor. Of all things, who's right with his neighbor. Shall we pray? Lord, we are grateful for your care for us. This psalm is so challenging. Uh, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Lord, we understand the security of the believer. We understand that the true believer has that security in you. But Lord, we're not there yet. And you have given left us here for a purpose. I pray that we would serve you and fulfill that purpose you have called us to. May we not allow roots of bitterness to find ground on which to grow in our lives. May we look to you and may we have a sweet spirit. Lord, the world is looking for people who truly know your Savior and live like it. May that be said of us. 
may none of us be found to say caustic things or things that harm others and, and, and to cause them to look on Christianity with a bad light. So, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us your grace. Give us safety now as we go home this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.